Hello, everyone. Welcome to your podcast, Sharing Sweat Equity, a business podcast hosted by your El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center. I'd like to take care of some housekeeping items. If you're looking for commercial real estate in El Paso, reach out to our friends at Epicenter at 915-532-3456. They have locations all over El Paso. Also, special shout out to our friends over at Sun Carpets for sponsoring our podcast room. Welcome to the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce's Sharing Sweat Equity. And have we not got a lot of sweat equity this afternoon? I will tell you, I am so honored and so privileged to have a guest today, Colonel LaTanya Jordan. She's the commander of the 5th Recruiting Brigade at Fort Bliss. Is that correct? Uh, Fort Sam Houston. And she's a woman, everybody, which is like major cool and a colonel. So uh, I am just so thrilled that you're here. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing. I know people always want to know, how did you get there? You know, what did she do? Did she just wake up one morning and say, I want to be a colonel when I grow up? So a little bit about your upbringing and educational background, and how did that help shape your decision to go into military? I have the highest respect for anyone who serves. I have a husband who was Air Force and um, was not married to him during the time that he was in service, but certainly have heard all the stories and I have the deepest respect. So thank you, first of all, for your service and what you do to our country. Thank you for your support and to your husband as well for his thank service. You. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I was born and raised in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, raised by a single mother. Um, I knew in high school that I wanted to go to college, but the issue was how would I pay for college? Um, money's always an issue Money to go to is school. always an issue. Right. You, you, the college is a priority, but it's how, we, how are we gonna pay for it? Yeah. So with that, after graduating from high school, I went to a community college and studied criminal justice for about a year and a half. And during that time, I decided to join the Army National Guard in North Carolina. So that was, you know, the stepping stone to help me pay for that, that education that I was looking for. Was there somebody that was in no, the I Guard, only, or did you see it? I, it? They just, they caught me, you know, at work. And um, I, you know, the, of course, the tuition assistance and the Montgomery GI Bill, that was definitely the selling point because right. I knew I wanted to go to a four-year university, but how could I afford to pay for did it? Did you have any hesitation thinking about women in the military knowing that the percentage numbers are not you know, as high, but you, you, you see women in the military? Right. Or Statistically, what? back then, I didn't think about it. I will tell you, I did. I was in ROTC for four years, Air Force ROTC in high school, and I had a cousin that had joined the active Army, So, and we grew up relatively close, so kind of living vicariously through him, and I felt like the basic and AIT experience would be a challenge and something different. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, took that leap of faith, and I went attended basic my junior year of high school, the summer of my junior year. So prior to my senior year, I was in basic training, and I came back. And after graduating from high school, I completed my advanced individual training at uh, Fort Dix, New Jersey. So it was a great experience, and I will tell you, back then, as a private first class, I would have never thought that I could be where I am today. I bet. Um, it, was, it wasn't until you know later in life, probably after college, and joining the Army ROTC program in North Carolina A&T State University that I started to see, you know, the opportunities that existed for me. I know that there's wonderful opportunities in any element of the military, but what was the one thing that interested you the most? Like, where did you want to hone in on your skills? Because they have all kinds of different things. Right. And I will tell you, so, um, I, as I said, I graduated from North Carolina A&T State University with a bachelor's in speech pathology. Mm. So I, spe- being a speech therapist was one of my passions. But as I pursued the Army RTC program, I found out that in the Army, uh, speech language therapists are contracted. 
So you can't serve and, and be a speech therapist. Oh. So I had to look for a different option. Yeah. So I still, I, my first choice was some type of medical service profession because it tied it aligned with my major. Mm-hmm. But I didn't get it. I got my second choice as a quartermaster officer, which it has been great. The sky's been the limit. A lot of, uh, a lot of different opportunities and a lot of exposure um, as a young soldier you know, transitioning over from being a junior, being a subordinate leader, to being an actual in leadership positions. What's the one thing during that process that shaped the decision for you to be in the military, do you think, was the one determining factor that kept you going? You because, know, there's always that character piece you look for. Right. And, and, the, and the character piece was important. I, I definitely enjoyed the discipline that was there and the structure. Um, I am a compulsive neat freak by nature, if you ask my family. So, you know, that kind of aligned. I love that word, discipline. (laughs) I'd love my 20 staff members to think about discipline and define it a little bit more. Yes. (laughs) So that kind of aligned with who I was as a person. But from a family perspective, I I was the second person in my family to graduate from college. And I was raised in a household where people in my family, be it my mother or my immediate family, we live paycheck to paycheck. Yes, and there's a I, lot of us that do. Yes, and my goal, and I thrived to to put myself in a position where I did not have to, to have the, the same outcome. And I saw the Army as a way it provided structure, it provided stability, and the resources I needed to be successful. So where do you want to see yourself? I, you know, one of the questions we sent you was, can you give us a brief summary of your career in the Army? But, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, look at our Vice President of the United States. I that mean, I am so glad I'm alive today, and I won't tell you how young I am, because um, I had a birthday New Year's Eve. But how wonderful to be alive and watch that happen. So the same can happen in the Army. Yes, ma'am, it, it can. The Army, it's definitely changing with society, and the sky is the limit. I, I, when I left my ROTC program, I told my PMS that I would leave the Army as a general officer. And I remember he told me, he was an artilleryman, and he said, well, this is a great goal to have, but it's not realistic. He was like, because as women, he said, you get married, you have children. Oh, my goodness. And that changes the dynamics of your military career. Oh, they just lit a light. They just lit a light under you. And it did. It, it did. It did. And um, I will tell you that has motivated me because when somebody tells you you can't do something just because of your your gender, it, it just it motivates you to do. Does a lot it more. not just light a fire under you? Where you're going to show them, I'm not even going to show you. I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to do it better than anybody yes, else, right? Yes, ma'am. Certainly, serves that's the way with you, Colonel. Yes. Ma'am. Tell me a little bit about what your core responsibilities are as a commander of the U.S. Army Fifth Recruiting Brigade. What is that mean? As a as the brigade commander for Fifth Recruiting Brigade, we are responsible for enlisting highly qualified applicants into the United States Army as well as the Army Reserve. And with that, within my brigade, I have seven battalions that cover 14 states. Um, with, with, wow, you got, a, you got a huge... We have a large footprint yes, that do. we cover. So um, between the Sergeant Major and I, you know, we're out... Uh, there's opportunities to coach, teach, and mentor. You know, we have to drive mission success for the organization and to, to ensure that, you know, we meet the Army's mission. When you're recruiting, can you tell immediately if you've got one or not? We don't personally have the opportunity to recruit, but I think in just in observing the recruiters, mm-hmm. we're, you know, sometimes we're in the stations when they have applicants on. Right, they come in. in. That come in, and you know, you have those that either they come from a background mm-hmm. of a family that's served in the military, and that desire and that drive is there, and you have those that they're trying to 
they're trying to change their circumstances and they know that the Army offers the opportunity for them to do that. If you could identify two or three of the best characteristics for someone that's thinking about going into the Army, especially as a woman, what would those be? I would say... Those are tough. Those are tough when you yes. talk about characteristics. Because you have to have you have to have thick skin, I yeah. think, in, in my opinion. You have I, right? confidence in yourself. Correct. And I think you have to probably have a willingness to play in teams, which mm-hmm. sometimes... You have, to be a team. <laughs> you have to be a team player. This is a team sport. As we say in the right. Army, there's no I in team. And you have to be uh, resilient and receptive to change. I imagine that is constant. Yes. And if you don't live in a world of... of if you can't accept change, you'll never grow as an individual. Yeah, that's not like the chamber. We're kind of like that. Nothing's ever the same. same. Right? Every every day is different. I'm sure you go into work thinking, I'm going to do something, and you don't touch anything you're supposed to do, right? That happens a lot. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about any assignments throughout your career? Is there one in particular that, that maybe was the most meaningful or the most impactful or that just kind of changed your life about something? I would say my time as a company commander, a company grade officer, as a captain, um, I deployed shortly after having my son, my first son, he was six months old when I deployed to theater. Um, we had a very large mission. Uh, we ran a class nine warehouse, which was repair parts in the army that supported the entire theater in OAF. So both in Iraq and Afghanistan. That's a tough job. So it is a tough job. You know, Supply, very, demand, got to have it when yeah, you're ready. The distribution piece has to be has to be locked in. So it was a very critical mission set. But in that organization, I had a lot of junior soldiers, very young soldiers, and just the ability to influence and impact and make a difference in their lives in the nine months that we were in the theater. Um, it paid dividends. Uh, and just to watch them grow as we redeploy back to Fort Bragg and the relationships that were built and established and to see the things that they did in their military careers, it just, it, it, it's one that I always fall back on. Yeah, 249 always has a place in my heart. I know this is not one of the questions, but it's a question that I've always had. How is it that you prepare yourself mentally and emotionally when you're away from family and loved ones? Because the government's got you. That's what you sign up for. Yes, we know is. that. And I would find that extremely difficult to get myself set up to be away and then come back and be away. How do you do that? It's, well, part of it is the family support, and the other piece is spiritual. I mean, if you you have to be grounded in something, and I know spirituality is different for everybody. It doesn't look the same, but I will say my faith has played a large role into where I am now and has kept me grounded. As I can imagine. You all, you almost have to have the good Lord at your side. All I would agree 100%. All the time. <laughs> what are the best resources that have contributed to your success in the Army? Uh, first, I'll say the love and support of my husband who was also on active duty, so we've been Oh, you truly couples. are a military Before, family. Yes. My goodness. Yes, he recently you guys coming and going, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> five deployments between the two of us. Oh, so my goodness. How many? Five. Yeah, five between the two of us. That's quite a bit. It is. It is. So, And he, you're still smiling. Is he, too? <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does. He does. But he, he just recently retired in May. Oh. So um, it's, definitely, it's definitely been, you know, Retirement's hard for military. I know my husband uh, said that was the hardest part for him when he retired out was going into civilian is not the same as military. Military, Mm -hmm. yes. Definitely so what what contributed to your success besides that, would you say? Well, I would say, well, that's one resource, the love and support of my husband and family, um, the educational opportunities, because without um, the Army, I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be where I am. And the second piece would be the leadership. 
both directly and indirectly, the mentorship that I receive from, you know, senior leaders, and then the ability to be able to provide mentorship to my subordinate soldiers. Do you mentor anyone? Yes, ma'am, I do have mentees. Do you? Yeah, is that something you want to do? Is that a requirement with the Army? Is that something you just... It's highly on? recommended, is it? uh, but uh, yes, when if people come to me and request me to be their mentor, I take them with open arms. And when you do the mentoring, is there one certain... Thing you do with them? Do you, I mean, you have an initial conversation. Initial conversation, you know, discuss career goals, family goals, you know, look at their timeline, look at performance, you know, where they want to be in the next five years. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how you identify. Yes, ma'am. Can you have more than one? I guess you have a handful. Yes, yes ma'am, you yeah. can. Tell me a little bit about uh, what you wish you would have known before you went into this career. I would say in high school, I wish I'd known more about uh, the opportunities of the service academies. So I did not know about West Point until I came on active duty as a lieutenant. Really? Yes, ma'am. Oh, my goodness. And I said, you know, and I had just imagined how many other high school students oh, I'm sure there's a lot. aren't sure. aware of that opportunity that exists. Right. Yes. What's the benefit of knowing that? Because that's another option, opportunity to pay for college. Ah, being able to get the school. Being able to get the school. And ah. West Point is a great institution. Actually, that's my husband's alma mater. <laughs> What is one common misconception about your profession that you would love to clarify? That the Army is, uh, and the Army opportunity is a last resort of choice, and that's not the case. Um, and that we are a, I'll say, ground or combat focused organization. That is part of our mission set, but we offer over 150 jobs, ranging from medical, engineering, logistics. Yeah, um, some great skills. A lot of great skill sets. For so, sure. There's a lot of things that you can do, a lot of opportunities. From a woman's perspective and all that you hear in the media and see, a woman in a man's world clearly in the military, what would you suggest to a young lady that might be thinking about going that one, specifically a minority young woman that might be going that direction? What kind of advice would you give her to plant her feet before she jumps over? Have a plan, know exactly what you want to do, understand that there will be roadblocks and obstacles, but as with anything in life, if there's a setback, that's just an opportunity for you to tell your testimony later down the road. And understand that you don't have to try to fit in, don't overcompensate to be accepted. Be true to yourself, remain positive, because a positive attitude, I mean, I think that's success in every, anything that you do in life. Right. The military, civilian sector, it's 80% positive attitude and 20% of understanding how to handle the adversity that's going to be thrown your way. And then, you know, and the biggest thing is just don't, over, don't overcompensate to fit in. Be a subject matter expert at your craft and know that the team is going to accept you and take you with open arms. How did you know you'd, re you'd reach that in your career? I never knew. You didn't? I did okay. not. Interesting. I did not. So tell me a little bit about, I think we have a few more minutes, how you would go about getting young women specifically to really look at the military as a career beyond education because it has so many other leadership components that I don't think the world understands. I understand it for a lot of different perspectives, but how do we help our listeners better understand beyond the technical skills that you would learn? There are some core character values they, that, that you get taught. Right, in the Army, we, we, we thrive off of the seven Army values that we would have. You, you, you want to share those with our listeners? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So you have leadership. So with, with leadership, you know, that, that's going to help you grow as an individual because I think we all come in with, with some sense of uh, immaturity 
Yeah, we all do. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, We're, I'm still trying to learn what I'm going to be when I grow up, right? And, it's, <laughs> and it takes that inculcation process to help you grow and develop as an individual. And and I think that's what makes the Army different from any other organization, or really I will say any, any branch of service. Sure. Because there is going to be an inculcation process and a growth and development process. And then you'll, you'll start to learn and, and figure out who you are as a person and start to hone upon those strengths that you've identified mm-hmm. and then understand how to accept and grow in the weak areas because we all have them. The other one is duty. You know, that is something that I think this generation, it, it's a little waver. You know, they waver yeah, with it. I agree. You know, there's not yeah. that commitment to serve in their country as you saw 15, 20 years ago. There's not a, there's not a call to action to be dutiful sometimes in that regard. Exactly. And I've always said that the freedoms we have to have this podcast today have been made available because of men and women in the service. Yes, ma'am. You have respect. Yes. Which is very important. And um, I, my kids, they, they get teased sometimes because they're always saying yes, ma'am and no, ma'am. Oh, I even, love like, that. Even when they, they, they'll be talking to maybe somebody that's 21 or 22 and they'll tell them, don't say that. But I think that is very important. And it's something that we need to really get back to. Character society built yeah. at home. You yes, bet. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And then you have your self, your selfless service. You know, serving it, it's your bit. It's bigger than you. You're giving back to something that's much larger than self. Very big time. Yes, and, ma'am. And that you know, my my other question is, anyone who serves seriously is giving one's life. Yes, ma'am. And and how do you get to that point, knowing that when you sign on that paper? That's what I'm really doing. Not everyone can do that. Yes. That's why I applaud you and everyone else in the service. Not everyone can do that. What motivated you to do that? And and know that that's that sacrifice, and especially a mom, a wife, with kids. I will tell you, as a 17-year-old, when I signed, I, that was something that I didn't even think about. Really? Yes, ma'am. You just said, you, I, want to, I, wanted, I, want. I wanted to wear the uniform. I had always had a love for the service and admired mm-hmm. people in uniform. But I never you know, I never thought about it from that aspect until later. Wow, that's amazing. That You're doing something bigger than yourself. I love that quote. You're doing something bigger than yes, yourself. Ma'am. Well, I think we have a few more minutes. Um, so tell me a little bit about where you want to see women in the military. I mean, do you want to see them in higher ranks like yourself? Do you want to see a 50-50%? Talk about that aspect because that's kind of a new new deal for a lot of people. And I think we have an opportunity with our listeners to set the story straight about what it's going to take and what the Army is trying to do to get women in those roles because I'm sitting across an amazing woman. Uh, who's built herself up into this role with I don't know how many people based on the states you, you serve in terms of having to oversee, it can be done. Yes, ma'am. And, and the Army has, has identified that, you know, we fail to recognize females or, or, or women in some of the highest positions where, you know, you have them that are just as qualified as any male, uh, male soldier. And I think as, as the course correction is ongoing, I think that many, many doors are going to be open and opportunities are going to present themselves for women who are qualified, who have the right credentials, 
and they're willing to go out there and, and execute the duties and responsibilities for those key positions. They just have to have that drive. Just got to have the drive and yeah. determination. So you see more of an opportunity to, to shatter that ceiling, like yes. our vice president of the United States yes, kind of deal. You know, we see that nationwide in private sector as well, public boards. Our, our level of balance of percentage of women on corporate boards, specifically minority women's, is not at the equal level that we'd like to see. Women in general on corporate boards, we see the same way. But we know that they're the big terminology that they have, that everyone uses, including us, DE&I, diversity, equity, right. inclusion. inclusion. I'm sure the Army is, is doing, that now doing that now because before it wasn't. What would what, what you say is the impetus behind that? I think, you know, we always talked about racial equality. It's, mm -hmm. it's always been a part of, of the Army. But I think as we are progressing as an, as an institution, we have to really broaden our perspective and make sure that we're, we're, we're capturing everybody. You know, just yeah. not, not just females, right. you know, all minorities. Well, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of that because we're trying to help a lot of our businesses as well use yourself as role models in terms of how to scale up. And one of the things that we have been looking at, of course, is DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we did that a long time ago at the chamber, and that's why I think we're where we're at because of our leadership. But I think it goes beyond just that. I think it's trying to embrace the authenticity of each individual, and that's difficult for some people. And then when you embrace that authenticity of that difference, how do leaders such as yourself manage that authentic person in your group because everybody is so different? How do you lead that? It be, it, first it becomes, um, you have to be able to accept people for who they are and understand that we have different cultures and different backgrounds. And if you're receptive to understanding that, then it's easy to lead and manage anyone. But you, you, can't, you can't put yourself in a box or put individuals in a box because they look different than you, they think different than you, they have a different religious perspective. Because that's what really makes the, the Army such a great organization, the, the diversity across the force. Mm -hmm. I mean, the people that you meet the, from the, the different places, the culture, the dynamics, their, their experiences. I mean, it actually, that, that interaction helps you grow as a leader if you're receptive to it. I would imagine the travel is amazing, depending on where you go, that we'd never be able to go before. Yes, ma'am. And the people you meet, probably, correct? Yes. Is, is an opportunity for someone that wants to travel the world beyond getting education could be an opportunity can, there. Yes. But there are so many different ways that someone could go when they're in the military. How does one determine which way they go? Do they have an officer that guides them and says, well, I think you'd be better over here, I think you'd be better over here, or how does one determine where I want to put my time and talent when I do get into that? When you get into service. Mm -hmm. It depends upon career goals, because you have two different, well, actually three if you think about it, because you have your enlisted career path, your warrant officer, which is more specialty driven, and then your, your officer corps. So, so what if I want to be a general? If you want to be a general, Usually that OCS or the officer <laughs> route is the route you want to go. But we do have enlisted soldiers that at some point in their military career, they transition over uh, to the officer corps. And, uh, you know, the sky's the limit. It just depends on whatever. What, yeah, what your career path is. And is that determined when you first enlist or is that determined as you move through you, the ranks? It will really depends. When you enlist, you know, you, you can, um, you're able to select that military occupational specialty. But there are opportunities where people, they will... They will transfer, it re will reclass, what we call it, mm -hmm. to a different uh, job specialty. You have people that will go to school, uh, to specialty schools and get, you know, a, get a degree, be it nursing. We have our, our medical professions where you can get degrees as well and continue to serve on active duty. So it, it's really based upon what the individual's desires are. 
but I said there's, as I said, over 150 opportunities. I mean, you can't get bored in the Army. Oh, I've served And like I've that. met individuals, uh, or I've served with individuals that have three or four job specialties under their belt where they've reclassed because they wanted to try something different or they got bored in this, this military occupational specialty and they wanted to reclass to something different. So let me ask you the hard question in the spirit of sweat equity and March being Women's History Month and all of those yes. fun kinds of things. You have to supervise men and they have to lead, you have to lead them. Yes. How difficult has that been and what would you suggest in your negotiation skills? Because I imagine there's some young men out there just are not going to take direction from a young lady. Well, I will personally say I've never had that experience from a male wow. soldier. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, individuals in uniform, there's a chain of command and they know they have to follow it or there are, there are repercussions for insubordination. So there I could potentially could be issues. I think we from that in the business world. <laughs> yeah. There may be potential, you know, sidebar conversations with their buddies, but for the most part, I've never had an issue with insubordination or people wanting to blatantly disrespect me because I'm a woman. And that's where it goes back to, you know, being a professional individual, mm -hmm. respecting individuals and treating them the way you want to be treated, and then knowing your craft. And people are going to, nine times out of ten, give you the respect that you do. What about change management? Has that been a real challenge for you? Yes, I will tell you. I spent uh, two semesters in the War College. That was my elective on ethics and change management because change is just difficult for people. It is, isn't and it? When you're talking about changing the culture of an organization, mm -hmm. it's very hard. Uh, you have to take it in small bites. You have to take it in small bites because people are usually not receptive to change. Um, is it because we're human beings? Because and that's we're just human. The, yeah, that, that's, that's just the, the nature of who made. we are. Is the way we're made. But yet we don't grow without change. You don't grow without change. But people don't initially think about that. That it takes growth, in order. It takes change in order for us to grow. And I was listening to um, a, a, an, um, an ad on the radio a couple days ago, and one of the the uh, commentators he stated he said, "Just think about as a baby. We don't stay babies forever. There has to be growth." Mm. That's just, true. Because if you don't grow, you know, nothing in life is going to change for you. That's right. So. It's kind of like someone told me that a um, long time ago, I think, I forget what the quote was, that that man needed shade, so they planted a tree. tree. Uh, you know, so, and I tell my team all the time, um, I don't want you to think out of the box. I want you to crash the box, and then I want you to rebuild it again. Yeah. That's about that's about change. being able to embrace change. Yes. Well, Colonel, it has been an absolute delight to visit with you. I could talk to you all afternoon, as you could tell. I'm, I'm sorry that pleasure. I pulled you out some more questions other than the ones that I sent you, but I thought, oh, this would make a great question. Let's ask this one. So on behalf of the El Paso Hispanic Chamber and all our members and our business community, but most important, all of El Paso and the country, thank you, Colonel, for what you do for our country and, and the service you provide and your leadership as a woman and a Colonel in the Army. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. And don't forget, we are on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. And watch for our next podcast because we are back at it as we're live in our podcast room here in El Paso, Texas. Thank you all for listening.